Don't Touch That Dial. It's the American Grooves Radio Hour with your host, Joe Lauro. and his Rhapsody Makers, recorded on the little Midwestern record label Jeanette Records in early 1927. And in that group uh, is Brad Gowans playing trumpet and uh, Frank Signorelli from the uh, original Memphis Five on piano and none other than Eddie Edwards from the original Dixieland Jazz Band playing the trombone. Now, tonight's show is all about the tiny little Midwestern Jeanette Records 
They were located in Richmond, Indiana, and they began as the Star Piano Company. They manufactured in their warehouse pianos, then moved into phonographs. And in 1917, after the uh, patent wars had ended, basically uh, people owned the early patents of, of a method of recording. When that ended and they couldn't get sued, they started manufacturing their own phonograph records. And uh, by the early 1920s, they became one of the premier, if not obscure, labels recording jazz, then country and blues, you name it. Almost anything could be recorded by Jeanette. So if you, if you listen to their output or read about it, you'll see all kinds of amazing things like King Oliver, Louis Armstrong's first recordings were made at that little Jeanette studio right beside the railroad track in Richmond, Indiana in Jeanette Gulch, <laughs> as they call it. Um, in fact, it was so close to a railroad track that when a train came by, they had to cease recording because the sound of the locomotive would be recorded <laughs> onto the record. So that was not good. Jeanette Records, one of the feisty little great American record labels. Now here is, um, talk about obscure, because they certainly did have an, uh, an output of mainly obscure stuff. They had a studio in New York early on, and then uh, in the mid-1920s, uh, actually maybe around 1921-22, they started recording right at their uh, plant in Richmond, Indiana, as I mentioned. So the recordings were divided up between New York sessions. The Brad Gowans that you just heard was recorded in early 1927 in New York. But now here is a recording by a totally unknown band. They made one record in the Richmond, Indiana studio, Robert Moore and his orchestra. This record is so obscure, it's not even listed in the jazz discographies. Come on, baby. <laughs> Thank you. 
always like to compare the jazz era of the uh, early 1920s and th- into the Great Depression era. It's very similar to what happened after uh, the Beatles arrived. All these garage bands appeared. Every kid wanted to play music, and they picked up guitars and basses and drums and drove their parents wild <laughs> while they practiced and learned how to play their instruments in their garages, attics, basements. I certainly came from that background. And it really wasn't much different back in the 20s. So many musicians came out of hearing the great live jazz and so many kids wanted to learn how to play. So little bands appeared everywhere and there were so many places for people to play back then. Not only nightclubs had a full orchestra and usually a floor show, college universities had dances all the time. There were taverns and bars and nightclubs of varying degrees of fanciness or gut bucketness everywhere. And uh, the bands that recorded tended to be a little bit more proficient, but not always. And so many people came from, so many jazz people came from this tradition. And so many great stars came out of this tradition. And so many from the Midwest recorded by Jeanette. Now, here is a surprising recording. Hoagie Carmichael, he was uh, hanging around Indiana University trying to be a lawyer, but loved playing jazz as a pianist and a composer. Here is the first ever recording from 1927. And you'll notice that it's done more in a foxtrot or slightly uh, uh, up-tempo tempo, (laughs) and there's no vocal. This is before they added, I think it was Mitchell Parrish who wrote the great Stardust lyrics a few years later. So here is the first ever recording of Stardust by Hoagie Carmichael and his collegians on the Jeanette record label.
many immortal musicians went down that little road that led to Jeanette Gulch and went to that little shack next to the railroad track where they recorded so many monumental recordings and probably way more non-monumental recordings, but certainly a stellar lineup. That, of course, was Jelly Roll Morton recorded in Jeanette in 1924, his The Pearls, his immortal piano solo. And, you know, Jeanette was fortunately pretty close to Chicago, Richmond, Indiana. So it was not difficult for a lot of the great Chicago bands that were appearing in nightclubs and theaters in Chicago. It wasn't easy. It wasn't difficult for them to get onto a train and get over to Jeanette and record. And so many of them did. Jimmy Wade, King Oliver, Jilly Roll Morton, Alphonse Trent, uh, even... Even uh, Earl Hines made his first recordings as, a, as an accompanist at the Jeanette studio. Now, here is probably one of the most monumental jazz recordings ever made. It is that pairing on phonograph shellac of King Oliver and Louis Armstrong, Dipper Mouth Blues, 1923. <laughs> Sides by the 1923 King Oliver Creole Jazz Band, recorded at the tiny Jeanette Studios in Richmond, Indiana. 
The main record labels at that time in the mid-1920s were, of course, Victor Records, Columbia Records, followed closely by OK Records, Brunswick, and Vocalion. Then there were all these other smaller labels, some tiny, 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 and some mid-sized, like Grey Gull, QRS Records, Paramount Records, who will probably do a show on down the line. But all these smaller labels competed for part of the market share of the phonograph record buying public. And Jeanette was not alone. Uh, the label, as I said, really began in 1917, but really f- fell into their own around 1923-24 and really only lasted 10 years. They were a, uh, a casualty of the Great Depression. By 1930, Jeanette pretty much ceased releasing things on that label, though they continued with a budget label called Champion, and they also did a lot of early sound effects recordings. They would go out on the field, they would record airplane engines, steam engines, parades, football games, and I guess these recordings would be used uh, on radio stations or whoever needed sound effects, even f- early, um, even early sound films probably did it. And the sound effects business went on until pretty much right after World War II. But um, the jazz records and dance bands records ceased in 1933 when the label was sold to the emerging. Decca Records, who took some of the old masters and re-released some of them and used the Champion record label as a, quote, budget label, even though Decca Records were only 35 cents. Champion was an offshoot that did some blues, jazz, and swing releases. So here is uh, something from the very end of the Jeanette line. This was only issued on the Champion label, another obscure Midwestern band, Hal Denman. And his orchestra, released on Champion at the very, very end of the line, uh, doing a very silly collegiate song called Collegiate Harem. There's probably only about five copies of this record in existence, but who cares? Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. There's 
been enough said about Betty Coed and the all-American girl. But we have just found a pin-passing hound who gives all the co-eds a whirl. Now every out-of-town game means just one more dame at formals they're bound to give in. Now he's the frat jeweler's friend because there's no end of girls who are wearing his pin. Now there's a Kappa from Northwestern. There's a Theta at Purdue. A Chi Omega from Chicago. And a Tridel at IU. Then there's a Pi Phi from Wisconsin. And many others who wear them. It takes an hour and a half with a mimeogram to write his collegiate era. Now there's a Kappa from Northwestern. Then there's a Theta at Purdue. A Chi Omega from Chicago. And a Tridel at IU. Now there's a Pi Phi from Wisconsin. And many others who wear them. It takes an hour and a half with a mimeograph to write his collegiate harem.
Weimer and his gold and black aces. Another one of these one-off Jeanette recordings by a great collegiate band probably playing in little nightclubs and roadhouses around the Midwest. Their only sides, that was a tune, a hot tune called Louisiana Bobo. Two other soon-to-be-famous band leaders began recording at the Jeanette studio. Uh, the first one I'm going to play in New York, they had made a few other phonograph records, what were still a pretty obscure band at the time. Uh, and then the following one, recorded in the Midwest at Richmond, Indiana, where they were based, first being Duke Ellington and his Washingtonians out of Washington, D.C., the original Duke Ellington band with Sonny Greer on drums and the great Bubba Miley on cornet. And then after that, surprisingly, Lawrence Welk and his orchestra. Yeah, he started as a little hot regional dance band. And here are uh, uh, two recordings. The first, Duke doing Animal Crackers and uh, Lawrence Welk after that doing doing the new lowdown on the Jeanette record label. Thank you. 
You know, uh, Jeanette was colorblind, as some of the labels were back in the day, not all of them. Uh, and they recorded a lot of African-American territory bands. There were so many in the Midwest at the time, either playing in Chicago or playing in Wisconsin or Minnesota, all around the Midwest. And I'm going to play two, two great bands. One of them, uh, first one, Sid Valentine and his patent leather kids. And you're going to hear them doing patent leather stomp. And it was issued on the champion label as well as Jeanette. And oftentimes when they released the recording on two different Jeanette owned labels, they would change the name on the secondary label. So people didn't realize it was the same thing. And, and on this version, which is the champion records version, the pseudonym that they use is believe it or not, skillet Dick and his frying pans. So here is Sid Valentine doing Patent Leather Stomp, uh, followed by the Alphonse Trent Orchestra at the end of the Jeanette line recorded on Champion, I Found a New Baby. Two amazing African-American territory bands from the Midwest.
that Sid Valentine recording of Patent Leather Stomp, you could clearly hear the uh, Louis Armstrong influence in Valentine's playing. There are even some phrases that I recognize from some of Louis's Hot Five recordings from just around the same time, maybe a year earlier. And then Alphonse Trent began as a 20s-style fox, hot foxtrot band, but here you can hear the influences of the emerging swing music before swing is really born i'd say 1934 this recording was from 1932 and if you're just tuning in this is joe lauro and you're listening to the american grooves radio hour where we are dedicating this hour to the obscure and fabulous Jeanette Records label, which existed in the Midwest, Richmond, Indiana, from approximately 1917 to 1933. And you're listening to us on WLIW-FM, Southampton, over the air at 88.3, serving Eastern Long Island and Western Suffolk, and streaming at WLIW.org backslash radio, and on all of your favorite streaming 
platforms. This is listener-supported WLIW-FM, Long Island's only NPR station, and probably one of the only places on the planet that would let such a wacky show be over the air. Anyway, I hope you're learning something from the old Jeanette recordings. Great jazz. We're going to do another Jeanette program focusing on blues and country records a little bit down the line. But continuing with the jazz, here is a great one by the State Street Ramblers, a little hot band out of Chicago.
hop down front, doodle back. Moose to your left, then moose to your right. Put your hands on the hips, mess around. Break a leg until you're near the ground. That's the thing, the old black bottom thing. Mm. Everybody open your ears. This rhythm you will hear. Charleston was apt to be, but the old black bottom makes you shake your feet. Believe me, it's a while. Now learn this dance somehow. It started in Georgia, went to France, got everybody in our trance. It is the wang that old black bottom dance. Black bottom boys. Eddie Dominique and Jimmy Blythe, great Chicago jazzers on the State Street Rambler's side, their tune, My Baby, followed by Jimmy Wade's Alabama Orchestra with Perry Bradford, the composer, singing his tune, the original Black Bottom Dance. That side was recorded in New York, the great Jimmy Wade band lost to the ages except for maybe six recordings. Well, folks, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of American Grooves. We'll be back next week, next Sunday at 4, repeating at 10. And until then, keep listening. Okay, America! The American Grooves Radio Hour is brought to you weekly on WLIW-FM Southampton, 88.3 on your radio dial and at WLIW.org and all streaming formats.